Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us on episode 11 of The Convo um, We have this podcast um, on a topic which is very tragic regarding the death of our brother, our late brother Ragi Abdi um, And uh, we want to sort of investigate and just have a conversation around some of the important issues that uh, emerge from this very tragic incident um, The podcast has been titled uh, Queensland Police Armed and Dangerous and we'll leave it to your imagination for the next couple of minutes as to what that means as we go to our introduction video. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Okay, so um, our dear brother, uh, Rahi Abdi, I think, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, inshallah, um, was shot and killed by Queensland police on uh, the 17th of December, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, and there's a fair bit of controversy regarding the events themselves. There's one version of events that the police have given. Um, and then there's others that have been sort of put out into the community and there's a whole host of sort of considerations leading up to it as well. Um, inshallah, we want to discuss all of those. Um, but perhaps first we should just have a quick chat about mm. the circumstances within which this case has arisen. So I'm talking about the general attitude towards Islam and Muslims that we face uh, as a community by Authorities. What what if um what if I was to say that that's not relevant to this case? How is it not? Why do you think that's relevant to the case? Because it okay, because this is this case has occurred within a particular context and scenario that we've been existing within for many many years now, which is that we Muslims are viewed as a national security concern. We're viewed through the lens of security, terrorism, and so forth. And it's within that that this issue has arisen. It, you can't take it out of that. Mm. It's within that situation. I think it's critical that we just at least briefly discuss or talk about yep. the nature of that reality. Mm. And then we look at this case within that. Yeah. I think, if I'm just playing devil's avocado here, Go right ahead. If, if, we, um, if, I, if I stop you and just say, you know, not every incident of misdemeanor at the hands of a Muslim should be linked to the wider context of terrorism and counterterrorism and um what would you say to I'd that? agree with you so then why do you think this one should be no you're saying that not every issue of misdemeanor should be looked at as terrorism yeah and i agree if a muslim does something wrong illegal criminal look at that as a wrong illegal criminal action mm. as it is mm. not necessarily linked to this Idea this cloud of terrorism that lingers over any Muslim who does anything wrong, yep. and not even just Muslims who do something wrong. Muslims generally, yeah, like that's what we face. And so, 
the sensible approach would be to say, okay, if a Muslim's done something wrong, it's a Muslim doing something wrong. They shouldn't do it. They should face, you know, whatever repercussions. Uh, so need if, to come I, about. if I just stop you, sorry, I don't mean for this to be an interview like this. Yeah, but no, go for it. You did say before we started, let's just have a conversation instead yes, of indeed. presentation style. So I'm, I'm all for that. Um, you said at the start that there are various narratives that have been put out there as yeah. to what the facts are. And I think we can agree on that, that there is a police investigation, you know, not um, holding our breath as to the integrity with yeah. which that investigation will be carried out. But I understand what you're saying, that we don't know necessarily all of the details, 100% yep. with conviction. Um, so having said that, one of the narratives out there is that he was doing something that may have been wrong. For example, yep. there were things that were found on his person yes, yes. that belonged to the couple that was killed within that vicinity, yeah. whatever that you know version of events is. So if we take that to be true, which we're not for the record, we don't want to make that mistake, but if for argument's sake we take that to be true, then that incident of misdemeanor or criminal activity or wherever it may have been, why do you link that off the, off the bat, straight off the bat to this wider context of counter-terrorism and, and so forth? Because that's what the Queensland police have done. Mm. It's not me. I'm saying do the opposite. I'm saying what you're saying. Look at it as what it is. And in fact, I was um, listening to the, the press conference that was held by the Deputy Commissioner of Queensland Police. Her name is Tracy Linford. Um, and one of the reporters actually asked her the question, can you explain why you're treating this as a terrorism event? Mm. Um, and she, like, she put out a few things and then didn't make any connection between them and mm. then said... So I think it's pretty clear why we're treating this as a terror event. She said he was suspected of certain yes. things in the past. Yeah. He was suspected of. Certain and in fact, as well. it, it wasn't even, he wasn't convicted on any terror charges yeah. at all. Nothing. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like, I, I think we've got, to, we've got to have a bit of an understanding of some of these issues, which is that, you know, if, if you, Sufyan, mm. if I say you're being investigated for, I don't know, theft, right? I accuse you of theft. You've been charged with theft, yeah? And then we conduct an investigation, and I can't convict you of theft. That means you are not guilty of theft, correct? Yep. It means you are not a thief, yeah? Yep. That's what the outcome is. Yeah. Just because I initially accused you of being a thief, it doesn't mean that you now have to carry that label because through the process we came to realize you're not guilty of theft, we don't have the evidence for it, therefore yep. you are not a thief. Yep. Now, that does not occur with Muslims and terrorism. Because what occurs now is that someone is charged with something or suspected of something. And then afterwards, no conviction, no evidence. It's thrown out the door. There's been, there's, there's no, they're not able to convict with anything. So if I charge you with terrorism and I can't find evidence of you engaging in that, then you are not a terrorist. You are not someone guilty of terrorism. Yeah, and, and especially the way... I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit, but the way the media has dealt with it yeah. as well, and so, they've come out so cleanly and said that he was a known terrorist. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what, that's what's so unjust about this. They are calling him a terrorist. Yeah. He was not convicted of anything to do with any terrorism issues. Yeah. So why is he being labelled a terrorist? He was, he was called a known terrorist, a lone wolf terrorist, and a wannabe oh ISIS terrorist. It's, it's, it's really ridiculous. There's like, no... Charged to that effect yet? There's no conviction, obviously, to that. He wasn't convicted. He he. Effect. The the investigation started when he was 
allegedly trying to uh, go to Somalia. Um, and his lawyer says that he was going to visit relatives. Um, and then, you know, they, they tried to investigate him on terror charges. There wasn't enough evidence to get any kind of conviction. So those charges were thrown out. He was charged under the Crimes Act uh, for other minor offences, like not um, giving his, uh, his PIN code for his mobile phone. And then on that charge, not on a terrorism charge, on that charge, he was imprisoned for 414 days. He wasn't granted bail. He was remanded in custody before any kind of hearing or anything. And he was held for over a year, over a year, for not giving his PIN code to police. Not for doing anything related to terrorism, totally separate to yeah. that. Yet here we are now, subhanAllah, getting the media reports of this brother who was shot and killed. Allahu mm-hmm. alam what the exact circumstances are. And perhaps we can talk about you know yeah. the different narratives and whatnot. But it's just ridiculous that I think I think in this episode we, we wanted to I wanted to look at um, how some of the institutions have dealt with it. But I want to focus as the as our flyer said on the police. Yep. But the way some of the other institutions, the courts, how mm. they handle these sorts of things, how um, politicians handle it, how the media handles, handles it. We don't need to talk too much about the media. I think it's obvious the double standards in the media. Yeah. But I think one really um, interesting comparison was this case, and it is what it is, and in fact, the facts of it are still unclear, yeah. but, it, but it seems from what we've seen, and there's a justice for uh, uh, Ragi Abdi page that talks about how, you know, and the footage seems to support this as well, that the only weapon involved in that scene was the one held by the officer. So he's, uh, yeah. he's unarmed, not, not even a knife. Well, yeah, that's what the it's, allegations it's are. It's in dispute whether yeah. that is the case. But, you know, assuming that that's not the case. Apparently, I, I read that he was only holding a water bottle. Yeah. So apparently, he was holding a water bottle to make we'll do it later, later on. on. Yeah. So, of, of so I mean, there's, there's narratives out there and the truth is yet to be determined. But if that's the case and there's a possibility it is, he was still, despite that, referred to as a matter that is being investigated by the Counterterrorism Task Force. Outrageous. And then I want to do. I wanted to compare it to this other case, where a man forced, you know, forced himself onto a police officer, took his gun from him, and fired two shots, and the media referred to him as a tradie. Like yes, it focused on the event that took place, uh, but in terms of the label that's thrown on him, he was tragically a male person who was a tradie, you know, and that's how they referred yeah, yeah. to him in that news piece. Um, that was Nine News, um, and uh, and obviously the comparison with what happened on the Logan Motorway is yeah. that it's all about terrorism, lone wolf terrorist, ISIS terrorist, wannabe ISIS terrorist, yeah. investigated by the task force, the counterterrorism task force, and so forth. So I think with the media, I mean, it's not really worth having much of a discussion over. We know. It's pretty, uh, look, I think pretty clear. We, we, we can... We can yeah, not necessarily... I mean, Muslims are fairly on clear on. I think, I think... I mean, I don't know. My personal opinion is that Muslims are pretty clear on the double standards in the media. Yeah, true. But they have some sort of um, unfounded... Um, what's the word? They have this sort of that presumption of innocence of the police. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Some sort of presumption of innocence of the courts. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of some politicians. That it's all as impartial. Well. It's all yeah. fair. It's all just. It's all legit. And that uh, you know whatever he's done wrong, he's copying the consequences of what yeah. he's done, and and that sort of a narrative. 
it's sad, but there has been some commentary to that effect. And I think, um, you know, I'm not, not charging anyone in particular, but it was sad to see some of the press releases within the community. In fact, we didn't see enough press release in yeah, the community, yeah, but the ones that we did see, um, I, was, I was disheartened by a particular press release which said, we call for calm. That was the gist of that yeah, press yeah. release. You know, this organization calls for calm. It's like, you know, we're a very violent community and we can, um, um, you know, we're known to sort and of respond to this in violent ways, which apparently you see, not even true, like right? It's so ridiculous. You just play like, into that narrative even more It's like and just come out and say, yeah, just presumption that we're calm. violent. It's just crazy. Like, and the thing is, we have at this stage every right as a community to be angry and upset at the fact that a young Muslim brother has been shot and killed. Yeah. We have every right to have an emotive response to that. And we can have that. And that doesn't mean that it's violent or it's dangerous, but of course we should show some concern. Why should we be calm about someone who's been killed? We should be up in arms about it, obviously in a responsible manner, but why is it that we have to say that being upset about something doesn't mean that we're going to be violent about it? Like It's just ridiculous that we've been pushed into that corner. So without dwelling on... Again, I said I don't want to dwell on it. I want to talk yeah. about the police. But without dwelling on it, I think for me that sort of duplicity, that two-faced sort of aspect of it, it starts in Parliament for me mm. where when it comes to the passage of bills and, and yeah, so yeah. forth. And I can't help but, you know, hark back to John Howard when immediately sort of post-9-11 climate, yeah, yeah. he managed to, you know, because mm. Labour and Liberal – Mm. don't tend to agree on, you know, they can find the most trivial thing to disagree over. Yeah, yeah. it's always like fun to watch. prune juice production <laughs> or something, right? And, you know, taxing that or something. Um, but, you know, they're at loggerheads and everything. But when it comes to yeah. terrorism or national security, which is the catchphrase of the century, um, it's all sort of bipartisan but, support and everyone, right? And as a result of that, John Howard is able to come in Within a few days and pass bills like sweeping bills, yeah. right in 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 that post nine eleven climate, and it's been the same ever since. There there were a host of bills that were passed. I think twenty twelve or twenty thirteen mm. for counter terrorism. Yeah. It was the same thing. Everyone was shocked about well, what happened to the whole the process yeah. by which a bill becomes an act, consultation, and upper and house, and lower and house, and low, and first reading, and second reading, and third reading, and governor general has to give his assent, and there's a whole process to it. It's like, nah, forget that. Let's just do it. Oh, but in the interest of national security, so I think that for me is like where that duplicity sort of starts. Mm. But then, and you know, we've had some foray into this world, you know, by sort of reading a little bit about some of this stuff. But the way judgments work as well in the courts. Um, it gives this facade of neutrality. Yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, some of the quotes that you see in the judgments of of particular judges when it comes to terrorism cases, yeah. like I want to bring to your attention the Benbrika case. Yeah, yeah. If you remember, oh, yes. because it's yeah. been in the news recently as well. So I went up and I looked at a judgment that was, I think, 2007 or I can't remember between that period, right? Somewhere there was an initial judgment and the judge came out and he was talking about Australia's international obligations to suppress terrorism. And I was just like, look, man, you want to feign this sort of like pages and pages of Calm mythological down, writing, yeah. you know, about this intention to suppress terrorism on the part of Australia's protection obligations to the world. And right. But that's so not neutral for me, for me. Right. 
seeing what we see of politicians, the way they rush bills and, in, and they, they sort of feign this, um, you know, concern over national security, the courts will come and talk about, like they'll just wholeheartedly adopt the politician's narrative around yeah, yeah, yeah. terrorism. Yep. Completely. Right? Whereas you're supposed to be neutral and on the basis of evidence and, and judicious, you know, thought processes and so forth. Some some legal organisations around that time did come out and say, look, this is actually outrageous. They like did. The and civil the, rights activists yeah, yeah. and so on. But that pales in comparison to the media that can just push it through and say, look, this is coming through. It's protecting us. It's supporting, 100%. you know, the efforts of our... Uh, of our police yeah. and our secret service and ASIO and so forth, and, and then and then and then obviously you've got News Corp on one side and, and Fairfax on the other, or whatever they're called now, now Nine mm-hmm. News Group, or whatever, right? They'll create that moral panic that's required. They'll fester that moral panic. You've got the judges to come and make the relevant judgments. You've got the politicians to come and pass the sweeping. It's an institutional thing, and then know? it just goes in a cycle. It goes in a cycle, and every the law comes years, out. They lower the bar, and then they can say, "All right, look, because of this." lower bar now we can say this is terrorism and that is terrorism and that's linked to terrorism and then they can say yep that's the law feed it to the media media comes out with its headlines and 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 then everyone freaks out and again just to stop on that point again because each of these institutions sort of hold themselves up I don't even know what Queensland Queensland Police's motto is because we scribbled over it and we wrote (laughs) armed and dangerous but whatever it is it's probably some kind of you know fake aspiration about protecting society or something, right? It's the same thing with, with media. It's meant to be this independent arm to hold the government account yeah. accountable, but they will just grovel. Work. And it's like journalistic subservience that we've never seen, you know, like unimaginable levels of journalistic subservience just following, you know, the required uh, sort of, you know, yeah. sloganeering or whatever. Um, yeah, some will do so, on some issues... Maybe you can give some credit to some media institutions where if they'll do, like the Afghan files, right? The ABC did a massive expose yep. on that, right? and the government obviously wasn't happy. Um, but it seems on this issue of national security, there's very little. There's no, like very, there's little. very little to almost no pushback. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think our community really does enough of that either. Like yeah. perhaps if our community was a bit more forthright with its resistance yeah. and ma- media could pick up on it a little, but it seems uh, it seems like media is really entirely in bed with government yeah. on this issue so i think i think it may seem like we're just sort of you know talking about random issues there but one of the points i wanted to make was that if the institutional um what are we going to call this oppression right the institutional sort of bias and prejudice racism whatever you want to call it right against muslims against black people against muslims is so prevalent is so intense i think that just highlights all the more how important it is for muslims to get together Absolutely. and actually have their own independent agenda have their own way forward have their way and and it's not about because we're talking about a specific case that happened. i think if we did if we were a strong politically minded astute community that thought about its own affairs and thought okay we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna be protected by the police mm, or by the courts yeah. we're gonna do something for ourselves okay then i think when something like this would happen no one would have to rally each other to say like again i'm not trying to paint myself as some activist right but i was messaging people saying are we going to do something about this or what yeah, are we going to protest are we going to petition are we going to make noise at the very least, to indicate that we don't accept yeah, that this can for just one of us to be killed in the manner in which he was, and for no noise to be made around it, except a couple of, you know, forgive the language, but piss weak, you know, 
press releases. Yeah. So I think it's so important to go back and, and as a community reassess and say, do we have our own agenda as a community of we, we, who we are and what we're meant to do so that when something like this happens... Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really, um, it's really disheartening. Like, you want you want to know that your community stands behind you. You want to know that your frustrations, your feelings, your attitudes towards these kinds of issues are supported. Like, you're not someone outside of your community who's feeling something different, but that we feel collectively outraged at injustice. Yeah. You know, but we don't really get that. We don't. We don't really get that, and it's really. Really saddening. Like, mm. our community, especially because as Muslims, like, our Islam informs who we are and what we do. And, you know, like, the, the brotherhood that we have is not just coincidental, or it's not just sort of something on the side. It's divine. It's mm. instituted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, that's our bond. Yeah. And someone has killed our brother. And it's like, Where's that bond? Yeah. Like, I what's think, going on? Look, I'm not, uh, you know, I've never issued a press release in my personal capacity, right? But if I was to make an organization overnight and say press release, I would say something, I would start off with something like that. Remind the community of the bond that we have with each other. And that is a bond that has been that, you know, to which aligned his messenger bear witness. Sanctified by the creator of yeah. the heavens and the earth. So that's the first thing. It's a, it's a matter of our in, inherent aqidah of who we are, our identity as Muslims, is that as a Muslim has been shot and dead in very questionable circumstances within that context of an institutional racism and systemic yeah. oppression that, that we need to remind each other of that bond that we share. But secondly, as a community, to sort of have that political awareness that something needs to be done. And if I, I'm just talking about the BIM, I'm literally just like off the top of my head, right? That there needs to be some noise that needs to be made. There needs to be some kind of petition, some kind of protest, some kind of apology that is demanded of the police. Yeah. And tell them that, look, yeah, you go and investigate. That's your role, investigation of criminal, whatever, whatever. You do what you have to do. But if the facts come out as we anticipate they might, then demand an apology, yeah. a written apology. And, and, and again, someone might say, look, none of this is going to bring... Yeah, Unfortunately, the brother back, right? May Allah have mercy on um, We can't bring him back. But perhaps rattling the police force today will prevent similar sort of heavy-handedness in yeah. the future. That's something small that we could do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and, and, and it might be baby steps towards preventing... Like, I'm not expecting that we're going to prevent Australia and the direction of Australia, right? Yeah. Moving into sort of like American-grade heavy-handedness against minor, my, minorities and, and blacks and Muslims. I'm not that naive to think that, you know, something we might do now is going to stop the political direction of Australia. Yeah. But at least there's certain things that could be made more difficult for them. At least do something by virtue of your aqidah yeah. and at least demonstrate that as Muslims, we have our own purpose in this life. It, yeah. gives, it gives our people a sense of purpose to bandy around. Like, unfortunately, we're... Like even those what what you, what you were talking about earlier, the bills, the law, the parliament, all that kind of thing, even the headlines and everything else, it's just like it's so easy for institutions to do yeah. because we're not really pushing back on that. Yeah. Like all those headlines that come out and defame Muslims, all those headlines that link Islam to violence, all that kind of stuff, like it's so easy for them to do. And we Muslims look at it, we realize, yep, just another one, and we turn the other way and wait for the next one. And that's it. That's our reality. 
And that's how it's going and that's how it's been going. It's the same with law, it's the same with headlines, with media, and it's the same with anti-terror cases themselves, right? Like there was the, um, uh, quite a few years ago now, I think it was maybe 2014, I'm not too sure, I can't remember the year now, there was Operation Hammerhead, where I think it was Sydney, Melbourne, Queensland, there were coordinated raids on multiple properties of Muslims, um, where it was the largest, I think it was over 500 anti-terror police investigations and so forth. It was huge, right? Perhaps, you know, some of the listeners might remember this as well. It was all over the news, like dawn raids, where they came in, swooped in with, like, their heavily armed, you know, police forces and riot shields and God knows what, and they had media and police choppers up above. Media was given access to record the whole thing, which tells you a lot, like, why the hell were they there? Anyway, all that happened, and then they came out with, like, a plastic toy sword. And like held it up in this evidence bag, like it's this massive deal, right? And then I think there were some charges, but no convictions, everything overturned. But no one cares about the little footnote on page 24 of whichever paper saying no convictions or charges dropped. Mm. What everyone does care about are the 50 plus running coverage news reports going all the time on every news outlet plus all the headlines and all the papers, plus all the social media about it, plus all the uproar that occurred in society, plus all the fear that comes with that. Yeah. That's what everyone remembers. Yeah. And suddenly, once again, everyone's reminded that Muslims are dangerous. Mm. But no one realizes that afterwards, nothing actually yeah. came out of that. No charges. It's no specific charges were laid. Blatantly ridiculous. Um, so a couple of things that we wanted to just talk out of that case. <clears throat> yeah, let's return um was 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 the the broader context which we've sort of touched yeah, yeah. on the specifics of this case do you want to maybe run yeah, yeah, through maybe some of the specifics look, there is there is the contention and there is an, an ongoing investigation look let's be very clear that we don't know the entirety yeah, of yeah. it yet um queensland police probably have access to a lot more than we do but from what we do know it's dubious like there's there's question marks like the first one of the first reports that came out from the ABC about um, uh, Brother Abdi's shooting yeah. was that it was not a terror-related event. Not yeah. like the ABC came out and said, "Not a terror-related event," yeah. and then that very quickly changed. And the lawyer of um, of the brother uh, actually said that what Queensland Police is doing here is basically just trying to make the person who they killed look as bad as, as possible. possible. Just to justify it. Just make them look as bad as possible. And then what came, I think it was nine hours later, there was a discovery of a deceased couple, elderly couple, um, and it was suggested and there's suspicion that uh, Brother Abdi may have been involved or uh, guilty of, suspicion at this stage, um, of being involved in that. Um, But again, we don't know, it's not certain, but they say that they found some items of his at the premises and some items of theirs on his person, something or other. Now, Allahu alam, whether or not there's a connection, we don't know. Um, but but we're not wrong to put massive question marks course, over of course. It, given the history of this. And not just that, look, let's say, Allahu alam, if there is a link, right? Huge if, yeah, huge, yeah. right? Doesn't in any way justify... Let's, let's just run with that just for a second. Yeah. If there is, why call it a terrorism event? Why? Like, if you think of the purpose, quote-unquote, of terrorism events, mm. 
think of any of the very terrible events that have occurred that have carried that label, then they're done in particular ways. Yeah. They're public, they're large scale. Yep. They're trying to be as widespread and as vocal yeah. and as outrageous. And they're trying as to possible. send a very specific political message. To, yeah, yeah. To try and send a political message. Yeah. Now, none of that. Again, that's a huge if. If Brother Abdi was involved, none of that occurred with this, uh, with this couple's uh, the the issue with this couple. None of that. So why call it a terrorism event? Now, according to his father and his lawyer. They said that he suffered a quite severe mental health issue that night and that morning. It could be that that, if again, if he's connected, that could have been the reasoning. And I just want to say, like, you know, we when there's crime or you know violent issues involving Anglo people, white people, we get that label of mental health coming out almost almost instantly, almost instantly. And for Muslims, it even if it's genuinely there, which it appears to be the case according to his father and lawyer, it's not even part of the conversation. And that's um, that's part of the injustice, part of the grave, grave injustice. Now, I'm not saying it can't be the other way. Like if a white person commits a horrific crime, there could very well be genuine mental health issues. Could be the case. But that's the first excuse that's put there. And, you know, with someone else... With Muslims, it's not even in the conversation, yeah. and it appears as though it could have been a very real consideration in this case. I think um, there was um, there was a um, conference that was organised a couple of years ago, about five years ago now, 2015, called the Government Intervention in the Muslim Community. Um, it was held in Sydney. It was held in uh, Melbourne as well. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've seen, but someone posted a link. Regarding, it was like an update. There was a brother at that conference who attended it. Yep, um, Ali Khalif. He was one of the brothers. He was one of those um, where there was a testimonial session where ah, the mic yes. was passed around. Yep, and he took the mic and he actually spoke for about six or seven minutes, and he spoke in incredible detail about being harassed by the police. Yeah, and this is a really interesting case. He was he was talking about how they would approach him. At university, they would approach him in cafes, they would call him, they would just ask questions to sort of really violate his privacy yeah, yeah. and to make him feel that that they had their eyes on him. Um, and he would sometimes get frustrated, he would sometimes get confused, he would avoid going to places to avoid them. Mm. Like incredible harassment, yeah. right? Um, and he, he he gave indications of you know the fact that they would ask him to say certain things and he felt like it was entrapment. And he ah, was okay, he was yep. smart enough himself to realize at the time that um, and subhanallah this brother um, about I would say now it's ten days ten days ago um, so so what ended up happening is about one or two years after he sat at that conference yep. he actually he got arrested mm. and he had a sentence of twelve years oh, slapped wow. onto him. Wow. Okay, and that was—it's obviously not due to expire, but in considering the parole, non-parole period, yep. and whatever else, the ju- the chief justice came out and said, "We're going to extend this from twelve years to sixteen years because we want to pass a message about deterrence to rest of the community." Oof. So he has massive question marks on due process and 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 the way the things have been happening, but also what? before the before the arrest was made as well, dubious dubious circumstances. 
right? None of which featured in the judgment. None of which featured in the judgment. So, you know, and then again, of course, you mentioned ABC a few times as um, sort of balancing perhaps some of the other, but obviously we know. Yeah, yeah. It's not like ABC is not guilty. No, like no, the way course, it yeah. spoke about it is like terror, plotter, Ali Khalif, a sentence increased after prosecutors mm. right, do this and that. And no mention, again, this guy has. He's on the record about he's harassment. He's on the record. He's on YouTube being in a conference talking about harassment, but there was absolutely yeah. no mention, you know, by this data journalist. Christian Silva, I just want to throw a name out there as well, right? Um, um, on behalf of ABC, and you know, again, who knows the truth of it? You know, some people have been following the case, but it's been five years since he made those tes- testimonies, right? And everything else that's happened since. Um, that's one case, Ali yeah. Khalif, of 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 actually sitting down and realizing, look, you know what? Um, and I wish. Um, you know, in fact, what I'll do is for our viewers, I will actually link this YouTube link for yeah. you guys to have a watch. That'd it's only six good. or seven minutes. This is before he got arrested and he had conviction slapped mm. against him, and then he had his sentence increased ten days ago on really, really legally dubious grounds. And even um, uh, the Ben Breaker case, yeah, he as well. He even up, they've said that after his sentence uh, is concluded, they're going to keep him in prison because yeah, they just want to deter it. Yeah, they're going to like. That's ridiculous. That's where is the criminal procedure and due process like and all that earth? crap? Like, you've been jailed for this crime for this long. This is your punishment. You get to the end of that, mm, yeah, you know what? We're going to increase it. Yeah. <laughs> On what authority? Yeah. Where the- And apparently we've signed oh, all these me. magical um, legal documents and treaties about we're not going arbit- to arbitrarily detain or sentence or you know it's all meant to be according to a very specific due process yeah. this many years for this kind of a crime precedent this that but it all goes out the window out the window completely you know um so so there's that case of Ali Khalif and there's other cases as well there's mm. many many other cases yeah, if, many of the reports if someone was in in fact I think we need to do one of these again like a conference you know where brothers sisters can come forward and shine light on the kind of harassment that has happened you know in the last five years as well because that conference is in 2015 because it all it much of that in fact all of that occurs in the shadows behind closed doors very very secretive and it is like some of the people who are impacted by this as well they themselves might not necessarily feel comfortable putting it out publicly because there's a bit of a a taboo element there. Like, will my own community now shun me because I'm being accused by these agencies? Are people going to disassociate with me? Are people going to think I'm dangerous? And that kind of thing. So sometimes people just might sit back and take it because they don't want to necessarily publicize it. There's the Muhammad Hanif case as well, if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, the famous one. You know, where his cousin overseas apparently had a SIM card yeah, yeah, and how... Absolute debacle. Absolute nothing. And he wasn't charged with anything in the end, but he was followed around. And now this case features as like a dodgy case in legal studies textbooks because of how bad it was. Yeah. And there was another and they, case... they then. followed him around. Yeah. They uh, tapped his phone. They listened into conversations. They approached him in dodgy car parks at night times and mm. had conversations with him, scared him. You know, demonized. They demonize the community, but then they specifically prey on vulnerable people—people yeah. people who may struggle to defend themselves, people who may be afraid. And there's even been cases where they prey on 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 um, kids with special needs as well. So it's the whole shenanigan, right? It's like nothing is off limits. It's outrageous. Um, and that's 
the context within which Raghi Abdi was killed. Yes. And so we should not just have small question marks, but we should be questioning every yeah, the whole thing single needs to be interrogated. angle of this. Like even the, the automatic dash cam suspicion. Footage. Automatic yeah. suspicion on everything. Like even the dash cam footage that's shown and they say it's moments before, minutes before he was actually shot, shows him backing away from police. Yeah. And you, you can see that very clearly. There's police and he's moving away from them, which goes against the narrative of them saying he lunged at police with a knife as if there even was a knife there. Um, but yeah, apparently police have said they may release the dash cam footage to friends or something or other. Allah Adam, right? We don't know yeah. exactly how that is. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's that whole context. It's the whole context of it. And now, subhanAllah, some brothers will end up imprisoned. Some brothers might just be harassed for a while. And then it'll stop. Sorry, I just wanted to get the questions because I think some um, there were some questions on our... Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? Um, yeah, it's just that some brothers might just be harassed. Some will end up in prison. Some will end up in prison and they end up there longer because they want to increase the sentence for no good reason. Yeah. Some... Unfortunately, like Brother Abdi, will be killed. Yeah. And he's one. Inshallah, there aren't more. We hope there's no more. It shouldn't take, I think, you know what? And I'm oh, sorry, we forgot to mention something really, really important in all of this, which was, you know, the commentary of the father. There was um, yes, yes. some insights that we got into. I just want to try and pull those up. But there were some insights we got into some of the thoughts that the father wanted he, to share. He said clearly that he felt like it was a mental health concern. He was concerned for his son from that yeah. respect. Um, even in the police, Deputy Police Commissioner's, Commissioner's press conference, she said that she felt the father thought that um, his son was experiencing some somewhat serious anxiety issues. Yeah. But again, that doesn't unfortunately part, form part of the narrative. Yeah. Not just that, but he was saying, number one, he was, as you mentioned, there was a mental health yep. concern that he, his own father is saying he had, um, which is not mentioned in mainstream mm. media at all. Number two, when he comes to the media, he was blaming the police for not um, moderating their language in any way yeah, before yeah. sharing that information and just you know casually, loosely passing on yep. unsubstantiated reports onto the media. Right? Um, he himself said, and I'm quoting him here, I believe it's a grave injustice and a gross human rights violation. You know, oh, yeah. he was saying that he's under immense pressure. He was forced to wear a tracker, right? Even yeah. though he wasn't officially charged with a crime, yeah, like, right? he couldn't work. Great harassment. They closed his bank accounts that he felt stigmatized. He always had authorities following him. You know that he was traumatized by their surveillance. The kind of things that the kind of harassment, surveillance, and entrapment that we've been talking about, intimidation tactics that are used by the authorities. That I really think, as a community. We need to be shedding a lot more light on yeah. and really having a conversation around. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we'll leave it there, inshallah. Yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll wrap up. Um, but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon our dear brother um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give patience and strength to his family. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring justice to those who are guilty Amen. of his death. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ease the suffering of those he's left behind and Amen. grant him and if anyone life. listening to this um, does want to get in touch and just share their thoughts on things that we could do as a community to get together and actually respond to singular events like these but also the general sort of climate that's been created and held against Muslims 
um, some kind of activism, some kind of work that we can do as a community to get together and work on on, on responding to things like these, then then we'd really really appreciate uh, your thoughts on the matter. We'll leave it at that, inshallah. Jazakallah khair for your attention, for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Assalamu alaikum.